Welcome to Joanna and the Maestro. Hello, Maestro. Welcome to this mini-episode, which is coming to you in a pair. Today we're talking about unsung heroes. And this isn't because they don't deserve to be sung about. It's just that they seem to be left out. Stevie, I've got in front of me the Dictionary of Composers and their music, which was published in 1978. And the two names that you wish to focus on don't even feature in this. And it's extraordinary. These two people are Charles Kirchlin and Lily Boulanger. Will you tell me a bit about them? I know that they were late 19th century and that Charles Kirchlin was born in 1867 and Lily in 1893. Will you tell me a bit about them and why you've chosen to talk about them today? It's always difficult to talk about, isn't it? How fashion goes and who survives and who doesn't. And it's particularly important these days when people tend to simply do the same playlist, play the same music. People say, I like this, I don't like that, without having really opened their ears and become entranced or simply say, well, I genuinely don't like that, having heard it. That's the thing for musicians, because we all grow up becoming fascinated in music, as much of it as possible. And I I suspect I was lucky in my teens, and when I was a chorister, of having people around me, including other boys like David Blizzard, whose knowledge of repertoire that was not so well-known was amazing. He introduced me to Charles Kirchland. But this thing nowadays, to want to go to hear a concert of another performance of Marla too, you know, the RPO will fill, I think, the Albert Hall with Marla's second but, symphony. But this is it's quite done a, endless. It's quite a human thing. Tell me the old, old story, you know, children yeah, but it's, saying... It's modern. Mm. This is modern. Because until the birth of recording... LPs were the only way until the cassette turned up and then it got portable and the sound quality changed. It got worse because you, uh, you, know, you can't put onto a cassette what you can put onto an LP. And now with CDs and endless playlists, people tend to restrict themselves. And so part of my interest in these podcasts is just to, is just to try and tempt people to broaden their horizons. And these two composers wrote music at a time of high romance. Well, the growth of the orchestra and the colours that were available and the different forms that were available, there were so many composers at this time, the late 19th and the early 20th, who were part of, they would study at the Paris Conservatoire or in Russia, where there were so many profoundly great musicians who were also composers. And, of course, they benefited from it. But we've lost touch because the spotlight is not on them. And I think it's an artificial spotlight. And these two composers had a profound influence on everything around them. Tell me a bit, first of all, about Charles Kirchlin. Although that name... Charles sounds French and Kirchlin sounds German. He was French. Mm. And he was an extraordinary man with a huge number of interests. He became one of the most serious of teachers and he also wrote about music. Now, none of that is strange because every composer at some time or other 
probably teaches, because most composers can't make money on writing music. And that is still true today in the classical world. Very difficult to make any kind of living at all. He was interested in a multitude of things. He was also deeply involved in politics. He was uh, deeply socialist and he was vociferous about politics. So his music, he started quite late, really, because I think his family wanted him to go into something like engineering. But he eventually got into studying music. And who are the other composers at the time? Would he have been influenced by or who is he alongside? Gabriel Fauré. Yeah. And I have a feeling he studied with Maurice Ravel as well. Both these two composers we're talking about today are French. And at the time in, in Paris, we were coming into a, a period when Debussy and Ravel both became the major giants. But alongside them were Gabriel Fauré, who was also a teacher, and Louis Vierne, who wrote a lot of high-quality organ music, because, of course, Paris is a city full of particularly big churches, abbeys, with fantastic organs. Mm. And out of that very world eventually came Olivier Messiaen, who wrote some of the most inspiring and innovative 20th century organ music, which hooked me when I was young. What piece of Charles Kirchland did you first hear? Can you remember? Yes, I can. I can. It's called Les Bandalogues. That comes from Rudyard Kipling, and it comes from the Jungle Book. And bandalogue means monkey people. That's exactly it. Because one of Kirchland's obsessions was with the Jungle Book. Because, of course, he saw in the Jungle Book an allegory for society, which, of course, is why Rudyard Kipling wrote it, giving voice to animals and Mowgli, of course, the very young boy, who relates with these animals in the jungle. And we can all remember the Jungle Book, I hope. The film of it, yes, excellent. <laughs> the, the Disney film. And we remember Bagheera, the panther, mm. and Ka, the snake. These, these are the words, these are the Hindi words for the actual animals. Ka means a snake. Shere Khan means mighty tiger. Yeah. And Bandalog <clears throat> means monkey people. And That's right. And Balu Kirk, means bear. Kirkland had a lifetime obsession. Mowgli means little frog. Does it? Mm. <laughs> Which presumably the jungle animals gave him. Yes, because he was a little naked, scriggly, poggly thing with no hair. That's right. He was an orphan, wasn't he? Yes. Can't remember how it began, but anyway, he was brought up in the, in the jungle. Yeah. Well, Kirkland, Charles Kirkland, amongst his many obsessions, was completely hooked on the Jungle Book. And all his life, he was constructing pieces around episodes from the Jungle Book. And it was David Blizzard. He introduced me to the Rite of Spring. And there we were, 12 and 11, or 13 and 12. And all of a sudden, he produced this LP of Antol Dorati's recording. Oh, I the remember BBC him. Symphony Orchestra of Les Bandalogues. Now, the point about the, the bandlog, Kirchner takes a, takes a particular stance on it in that he's describing the rascal, roguish monkeys from all sorts of perspectives and basically centers on one central idea that they are above themselves, they are distinctly creative, 
but they have some very odd creative methods. And basically, they are inclined to create chaos. So it's a symphonic poem basically setting out a jungle atmosphere and then the monkeys appearing on the scene. I think this should be an attractive thing rather than putting people off because it's very pictorial and there's a real story to it. And they create chaos in all their ways. And Kirchlam shows these different creative impulses as a kind of a parody on previous styles of music, including 12-tone, extremely modern music, and develops all these ideas. In fact, there's a particular passage where the music starts off in open fifths, which is supposed to imply some kind of early but not very developed thinking. Later on, he writes a fugue, which starts off imitating Bach, who he loved. But then the monkeys, of course, twist it around and it becomes more complex and more modern. And then he does a very definite parody on modern music. And this was written in 1940. Gosh, as late as that. Because he lived until 1950, a long life. Mm. This was written in 1940, so he was able to look back... He was 70. Yes, he was able to look back over all of the different styles of composition from medieval music, Bach through to high romance, at the same time as establishing his own background, his own style, his own colours. The piece comes to an amazing climax. And in the story, I think it's Bagheera that bursts in and is fed up with it. If you remember Bagheera from Disney's Jungle Book, he's the sensible person there. And he persuades Carr to burst in because Carr is the only animal that can frighten monkeys with his curse. And the monkeys scatter, chattering as they go. And order is restored, and the jungle finds its peace again in the most wonderful atmospheres. The beautiful thing about a piece like this is that Kirtlein was an absolute master. So you have a very palpable story and a journey and a shape and a structure. You can almost stare into the distance and picture atmospheres and events and hear the monkeys chattering. Was he like the other composers you mentioned, Ravel, Debussy, Fauré? Mm who were romantics, weren't they, largely? Would you say yes. they were romantics? Yes, yes. Was, he, was his music, put suck fingers to make quote marks, beautiful? Stunningly beautiful. Was it? Because there is another piece from his Jungle Book collection called The Seal's Lullaby, which is quite a short piece. And when you listen to this, this is a seal underwater singing a lullaby 
And it's almost too beautiful to describe. It's so simple. And yet, I've done it, actually. I did it in a concert in New Zealand. It's quite difficult to play. Because what instruments? Be, or, 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 oh, what is it, it? it's the full orchestra. Oh, wow. The full orchestra, but playing very softly. Now, I know nothing quite like that. When we talk about Debussy and Ravel, they will appear to be quite contained in their beauties and very exquisite and delicate in their colours. But in this, it's a wonderful wraparound blanket of sound, which is so detailed with filigree, piano arpeggios, and a wonderful mezzo-soprano lilting, very delicate, quite a profound melody that's terribly simple. When you say mezzo-soprano, do you mean a voice, a woman's voice? Does yes, it? yes, and yes. And it has no words, maybe it just goes la-la. No, ooh, no, she sings, she sings words, yes, absolutely. Isn't that absolutely gorgeous? But I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this, the first instalment of our Unsung Heroes. Join us next week when we'll be diving into the world of Lily Boulanger. In this mini-episode, you heard the following music. Le Bandelogue, Opus 176, Scherzo de Sange, Written by Charles Kirkland and performed by Heinz Holliger and the Southwest German Radio Symphony Orchestra. The record label was SWR Classic. Bersus Folk, written by Charles Kirkland, performed by the Berlin Radio Symphony Orchestra and Berlin Radio Chamber Choir, conducted by David Zinman. The record label was BMG Music.